Welcome to the Northern Business Podcast. Each week we talk to people active in business and the economy about the big issues driving growth in the north of England. We're sponsored by Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers. Check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm Graham Robb, owner of Recognition PR. We help scores of businesses promote their products and services. Some are featured on this podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Both our guests in, are down the line today. We have Dr. Sophie Dale-Black. Uh, she's director of the British Business Bank, and there's some interesting things for her to tell us about sources of funds for business. And Tom Mercer, who's commercial director at Gainline. Now, Gainline is a, a boutique management consultancy business with lots of information about different sectors. And later, my colleague Joss will be speaking with Philip Cunliffe, business editor at Insider Media. Welcome to the programme, Sophie and Tom. Nice to see you both. Can I start with you, Tom? Tell us, first of all, a quick introduction, what Gainline is and the kind of businesses you work with. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you've mentioned, we're a, a boutique uh, management consultancy based in Manchester. Um, we work with a, a, a really wide range of businesses um, of all shapes and sizes or sort of different industries. Um, obviously, today we're sort of specifically talking about some of our experience in manufacturing and also um, also retail Okay, now in manufacturing, where would you say the, the temperature check of manufacturing is from your own frontline experience? Yeah, so just sort of purely speaking from our experience, I think um, it's a it's a it's a varied temperature across the country. Um, we sort of obviously specifically tend to deal with manufacturing firms that are um, looking to sort of remove obstacles within their businesses, solve challenges, or reach goals. Um, but I think there's a there's a, a, a sort of generally good feeling, um, and the support's obviously there in very varied formats for them if they want to if they want to grow. Now I was uh, talking to the chief economist of uh, Make UK a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. He he put the uh, for for our viewers rather than listeners, they'll be able to see a, a map of the country divided into blue zones where everything's going great in manufacturing, and uh, Yorkshire in the northeast there were lots of thumbs up. Uh, the northwest was in the pink and red zone where it's not going so well uh, and then when you look at manufacturing of course we've got a lot of international competition and if you look at things like germany um you're seeing they're now entering a prolonged period of slowdown and recession um and if you look at our international competition according to pwc in the newspapers today this wednesday um british bosses are planning the biggest hiring spree in the entire g7 so we're sort of, it might be a bit grumbly here in the domestic market, but when you look at it internationally, not so bad. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And, and obviously, business is based in Manchester. I'm originally from Sheffield, living in Sheffield still. And I think, you know, we see in our city, um, a, a city predominantly sort of built on steel many, many years ago, um, got sort of friends and and family that um, have, have sort of been involved in that in that manufacturing industry, and um, you know they've seen a lot of international trade come in and compete with them at, at prices that are really, really hard for them to to, to meet at. So um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a great thing that obviously um, some industries and in some trade sorry manufacturing are are looking to hire and and are growing well, but obviously there's some that, that are not doing so good as a result of that you know, international competition. And of course, the things we're manufacturing are changing, aren't they? And if you look at 
Sheffield, as you mentioned, or even northeast England, uh, there are new um, technologies. Sheffield has this magnificent advanced manufacturing park. There's one near Nissan in the northeast. And you've got companies that are making products of today, like car batteries and um, and drive drive uh, shafts and things, motors for uh, for electric vehicles. As a just as as an example. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is one of the things that I guess we help manufacturing companies um, do is, is is move with the times and, and look to, to, I guess, take them off with a smooth, so to speak. Now, when you're working with a company, you've got some manufacturing trends and uh, we'll pop them on our slide for uh, viewers to see, but I'll, I'll quickly go through them and then we can go through in a bit more detail. So our listeners, your four uh, key trends are the pressure of sustainability, supply mm-hmm. chain issues, reliance on digital tech, and improving workplace culture. Should we tick those off and just have a quick chat about each of those points? Sustainability, climate-friendly practices, uh, what kind of pressures uh, does that involve for manufacturing? Yeah, of course. So um, we're seeing, obviously, the the sort of very recent COP26 and um, a lot of sort of noise around um, trying to encourage manufacturers to move over to things like renewable energy providers and and sort of buying offsets like carbon reducing projects, um, things like funding solar energy, wind farms, et cetera. It's obviously not good. It's not only good for optics, but um, it's better for the planet as well. And and what about these these issues are not always directly related to the products being manufactured. If you if you happen to have a factory that's making a product that's unrelated to climate tech, then you might still need to put solar panels on your roof, and that's a cost. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Well, we'll talk to the British Business Bank soon. Maybe they'll be able to help with costs. Supply chain issues. Now, we've seen uh, with the outbreak of hostilities in the last few weeks uh, in the Red Sea that there's some supply chain slowdown possibly coming through the system. Uh, is that what you mean by supply chain, or are there other more obvious supply chain issues? Yeah, I think we've all had some sort of experience over the last couple of years, definitely, in terms of um, you know buying products that you'd normally be able to get quite easily. A lot of manufacturers are struggling with supply chain problems, you know, whether that be you know uh, getting things in a timely manner, um, and obviously causing a lot of people to to be disappointed, clients or or end end users and customers. Um, so we're seeing a lot of manufacturers look to try and where possible diversify those supplier lists um or you know try and get full visibility over their sort of supply chains as well and shorter supply chains as well not everything coming halfway around the world exactly yeah next you've put increasing reliance on digital tech what why is that a challenge isn't that an opportunity or what, what kind of challenges does it present yeah, so it's it, it's it's a challenge and an opportunity. Obviously, um, a lot of our sort of great manufacturing houses within the country have, have have done things in a certain way for a very long time, and obviously, there's 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 some change management that needs, that needs to be done alongside introducing robotics and AI and that sort of thing within um, within their organisations. So, yeah, it is absolutely a, a, a an opportunity, but also there is a challenge there to make sure that the the sort of transition is is seamless. Also, I suppose one digitization thing that's happened, say, in the food sector, which I am seeing in a lot of the manufacturers recognition PR works with, is the ability to trace every component. So whether, you know, if you if you had a, 
uh, a piece of cheese that you didn't particularly like and took it back to a supermarket, they would be able to tell you what farm it came from, never mind anything yeah. else. The same thing might now would happen for every bolt and every widget in a manufactured product. Uh, that That is the, the extension of the way digitization is impacting every part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously that sort of harps back to, to the supply chain conversation as well. Okay. And then finally, and I think this must happen in so many businesses, you've identified as a pressure for manufacture workplace culture. And by that, I suppose you mean recruitment and retention. Yeah, recruitment and retention obviously causes sort of challenges financially, but also um, we've, we've worked with some manufacturing clients that, um, you know, have potentially sort of um, sort of neglected slightly the, the the culture within their within their organisation, and that's seen, you know, uh, effects on on the output of the product that they produce, and therefore, you know, clients are getting, you know, sort of upset at what's being uh, delivered. Um, so one of one of the quite honestly the main conversations that we have as a as a as a consultancy is um, how do we create that culture of of growth and that culture of involvement within the business? How do we get people communicating better with each other? You know, manufacturing uh, companies that have multiple sites. Um, how do we get them working better with each other? And and also just in general rewarding people that are doing um, you know jobs that are sometimes very repetitive, rewarding them for the hard work and and also trying to keep them challenged as well so they don't sort of, I guess, become unmotivated. Now, you work in retail as well, and you've got some key points on retail, but I'm going to leave that for the second part of our interview because I want to bring in Sophie from the British Business Bank because some of these issues that we've just heard from Tom can be uh, tackled by investment, and your organisation is at the heart of so much of providing funds for investment, the British Business Bank. I, I took a moment to surf the internet and, and, and actually go through your um, checklist of products and how, how a, a business, whether it be a small business like mine or a large one like some of Tom's clients, might find finance. Tell us the mission of the bank first before we get into the products and services. Thank you. Great to be here. The, uh, the British Business Bank is a the government-owned bank. We're independently managed, and the key focus that we work on is supporting smaller businesses, so micro, small, and medium-sized businesses, to really uh, start up, also to scale up their activities. But in some cases, and the manufacturing sector is a great example of this, from Tom's points around staying ahead of their competition. I, I actually looked at it, and uh, you had a, 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 an indicator of the kind of startup loans you can do. And you, mm -hmm. you can facilitate, you don't do the loaning yourself, but you can facilitate startup loans for just several thousand pounds. And the interest rate wasn't bad either. I just ran through the calculator you had on one of the loans. If you had a very small business, a micro business, borrowing 10,000 pounds over three years, it would cost them 300 pounds a year in interest. I, I I thought it was pretty good. It, it all added, added up pretty good. It actually was 6% rate, but the it was 900 pounds total in the repayment. I, it was highly competitive and highly focused. Um, and not at all intimidating, um, less so than actually going through a commercial bank, I thought. So, you know, kudos to you for that. Thank but you. What well, great feedback for the system. Thank you very much. Those, um, 
those startup loans are really excellent. We've done over a billion pounds of those now, and they're making a huge difference to the businesses all across the country. The north of England has a, a real uh, great focus on those. And you're right, they go up to 25,000, but actually we do see businesses taking a lot less than that. Some take 500 pounds only, and then they access a brilliant mentoring scheme that goes alongside the loan and 6% fixed rate, as you say. It was a good rate and it was easy to access. But I think there was one other thing that was very interesting. Um, it, it wasn't as intimidating in, in so much as it was just a, a loan. Uh, that from what I could see, there was no need to get heavy and put your house on the line and so on and provide guarantees. And, and when so many small businesses start and they go to a, a commercial bank, that's the kind of conversation that happens sometimes. Yeah, these, these loans are, are excellent for um, businesses that have not necessarily been successful through their own bank, and that's one of the things we do look for. But they're being, um, they're being taken out by entrepreneurs from all different types of diverse backgrounds as well. So there's a, about a 40% a, a female uh, take-up of them at the moment, and 20% uh, go to Black, Asian, and minority ethnic entrepreneurs. So really an inclusive offer, and that, that mentoring side of things is really popular with, with the loan recipients. Excellent. And and the whole uh, way in which uh, businesses can go through your loan process, you've, you've, carefully, you've cleverly categorised the businesses. Startup, which you just talked about, scale-up. And I don't know, I understood the definition of scale-up being you're growing by 20% a year for three years and you employ more than 10 people. Is that still how you define it? Yeah, that, we work with the Scale-Up Institute quite a lot, and that, that's kind of the, the the general definition that's used. I think Scale-Up in the, the widest sense of growth um, yeah. is, is a useful um, a useful definition. And the kinds of businesses that we work with, and we work through delivery partners, as you say, that, that Startup Loans has a number of business support partners. We've got about 200 delivery partners, and they go right from that that loan area at 25,000, give or take, all the way through to multi-million pound raises. And companies like um, Pragmatic, um, which is a, a semiconductor company coming back to Tom's points on, on manufacturing. Uh, yes, it's got a site in Cambridge, but also has a site in Durham. And their recent raise was 182 million pounds, which is huge amounts of money. And we've been with them through a number of raises now through our own funding, but also through through Northern Gritstone, which we support uh, through one of our subsidiaries as well. And the final category of business that you're not ignoring are those businesses that are very good, they're stable, they're large mm -hmm. or quite large, and you're calling them the stay ahead funding. Absolutely. Yeah, those businesses, they're the ones that you really want to help to support because they're, they're employers and they're, they've got great opportunity, but they need to stay ahead of the market. And great opportunity that we, that we saw over in Cheshire, um, uh, Specialist Polar, it's called, they're called Polar Specialist Coatings. And, you know, they're a paint, a paint company and what they're doing is really reducing the toxicity issues of paints. And that was a, a six-figure uh, loan deal that we did with them. So that was through our Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund, which uh, closed the first fund of that just before Christmas and you know that's delivered uh, a billion pounds of investment into the north of England uh, through both the investment uh, that we've put in but also the co-investment as we say the other investors co-investing alongside that and we've got a new fund coming um, very shortly actually which will see 660 million for the entire north of England which is really exciting for the businesses in the area. Now I know we, I've described you as a British business bank and of course that that's right but um, just so people who may be thinking of a conventional banking bank manager relationship where you go and borrow money at a rate, um, that you are not just providing access to finance on debt uh, on uh, loans, but also equity, and and, and that is 
levering e proper large-scale investment. And I looked at, I think it was the scale-up, the number of providers of equity that were on there was, you know, it was, it was legion. There were, there were millions and millions of pounds worth of funds that you could access through the British Business Bank. How are they, how is the government involved? It isn't actually providing taxpayers money directly, is it? So um, in, in this case, though, using the Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund that's coming in in the next couple of months, as an example, that's UK government money, 660 million. We're in the process of deciding the, the delivery partners, the fund managers, the equity providers, but also the, the lenders that will come onto that programme. And it's those um, organisations that the businesses will interact with and, and create the deals with. Um, I think uh, the way that we we work with businesses directly at the Biz British Business Bank is we work through partners to um, create opportunities for, for raising the investment readiness, as we call it. So making sure those businesses are ready for the money, but also acting against the biggest issue that businesses face across the country, but it's very prominent in the north of England in particular, is that awareness issue of the finance options available. So your word was legions of equity investor options. Some of that can be quite confusing because there are just so many to look at mm -hmm. and if you're not sure about debt compared to equity you don't know how much to ask for all of this is around awareness raising and we're delighted to work with so many partners across the north of england who really deliver this support out to businesses and, and make the process much simpler for them now you've mentioned the northern powerhouse investment fund which uh, is very important and i tell you what i want you to come on again when you launch that next tranche because we we should do a bit okay. more on that i think that would be really good uh, but there's also the currently running enable fund or the enable program and you can. Talk, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, but it's also targeted at different sectors. You've got a special tranche of it for house builders to get house house building off the road, off the off the rack. Yeah, absolutely. So enable. There's a couple of forms of enable. Um, enable does have a guarantee system. We had these before the pandemic, where um, government guarantees were in place to make sure that lending was viable through the different providers. There's also a funding option. And there's a number of providers in the north of England accessing that. But the point you make, enable build. That's a great partnership with Homes England, making sure that smaller house builders have that opportunity to build their own business and, and really get those houses is built for, for residents in, in the different areas of the UK. Um, the government has introduced this relatively new, it's 18 months or so old, um, uh, position where you can have full, um, you, know, can, you can have full uh, tax deduction, full deduction on capital spending. Now, is that driving an appetite for more funding? Because you can deduct it against tax. The idea would be if you have an item of equipment, like let's get the investment going. That was what the idea was. So presumably the money is part of that. It's the lubricant of the deal, isn't it? So has that worked? Is that increasing inquiries for finance? I think there's a, there's a few things to, to bring in there. Certainly things like R&D tax credits, the combination. My time uh, at ICAW recently, I saw my former colleague James Callahan on, on the show recently. And, you know, bringing all those different components together, they, they create a package that's quite viable yeah. for businesses to think about those investment opportunities. And, you know, a loan can also be around asset leasing. It can be around equipment and capital to make sure the business, in the manufacturing sense, uh, as an example, they've got the equipment to, to do that. So I think it's a combination together, as you say, lubricating the, the market is, is a great thing to do and to give those businesses the opportunity to, to drive forward with their different options for growth. I think 
the, the thing is that you, the government can give the tax cuts or the, the, not, not entirely cuts, but the change the way, in thing, way, the way things are taxed. You can help with government support, provide the finance. In the end, we still need the appetite to invest. Um, and maybe this is maybe this is is one for Tom. If I bring Tom back in, Tom, in the in the in the manufacturers or the businesses in general that you're seeing, what is the appetite for investment? Is there still a fear of the future that's preventing investment uh, demand? Um, I, I I definitely wouldn't say fear. I think there's um, just sort of from our experience, maybe apprehension. Um, I think it was probably more apprehension maybe sort of a a year or two ago um i think it's definitely on the on the down um but no i think i definitely think there's appetite to grow um again obviously this is just speaking from our experiences we're, we're speaking to manufacturing companies that are looking to grow and looking to change or looking to improve so um perhaps unfortunately we don't get to speak to the ones that really potentially desperately need it um but yeah i would definitely say that there's appetite to to to, to become something um either more profitable or, or or something even even bigger and greater. I'm just going to f finish with you, Tom, on the, 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 the points you had on retail trends. We're going to discuss retail in more depth on the programme in a few weeks. Um, but you had five uh, tre key trends, and they are customer data automation, inventory automation, team feedback, flexible uh, payment options, and automated pricing for e-commerce. That's that's quite a lot to take in because it's it's quite radical, isn't it? Uh, so let's just pick on the the general automation uh, um, uh, piece there. Because customer data and inventory, it is all about right place, right time, right person. Um, yeah, I think look the the retail sector in particular has come under. Um, a lot of change over the last few years. I think it's 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 still going through changes. Um, there's a lot of really really innovative tech startups and, and established businesses that are looking to um, either already have developed or have developed really interesting intelligent systems for for use in this industry. Um, when we talk about automating customer data, we're, we're probably talking about it more from a, a sort of marketing perspective. So being able to um, you know use for example the 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 path that a user takes on a site if they're logged in you've got their, their contact details you know you're able to understand maybe they put a number of things in their basket they've gone to the checkout they've not actually checked out why is that can we send them you know i'm sure we probably all we've, we've all had it here we've had texts or or emails saying oh what why didn't you check out and while they may seem slightly irritating because there might be a genuine reason as to why you haven't um, they are they are they are intelligent and um, you know either consciously or, or unconsciously you probably have come back and actually completed that checkout. Well, look, so I'm it's all about you know intelligent intelligent email marketing as a result of things that they've done or things that they bought actually providing them things that they want to see or hear about and also um, yeah trying to close that that checkout if if possible. If there are retailers watching or people involved in retail and want support, then I'm sure they can contact Gainline and you you will Absolutely. give them a hand. And and Sophie, it's been great hearing about the British Business Bank. I think there's 
a lot of great things happening there that uh, defy the knee-jerk reaction of people who are conversation in the pub about the availability of finance. Maybe if, if people took the opportunity to look at your website the way I did today, they'd see that the gateway is open and you're pointing them in the right direction. So well done is what I would say based on coming to this interview with very little knowledge and then seeing what you have. Uh, and maybe we'll talk again in due course when you, you have that fund up and running. That would be brilliant. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, Tom. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. Now, over to something a little different. Joss uh, Havakin, my colleague, spoke to Philip Cunliffe, business editor at Insider Media. Thank you, Graham. This week, I'm joined by Philip Cunliffe from Insider Media. He's business editor there. Thank you very much for joining us today, Phil. Uh, absolute pleasure, Joss. Nice to be with you. Nice to speak to you as ever. Um, so I am sure that many of our listeners and viewers will know Insider, um, but for any who have maybe been living under a rock, do you want to tell us a little bit about the outlet? Yeah, of course. We'd be happy to do so. Uh, so yeah, Insider Media, we're, we're the um, well, we're, we're one of the most successful UK business-to-business -business publishers um, and media companies. We we have six regional um, magazines that uh, go out on a monthly basis. Um, in addition to that, we have um, events that we run over the over the, the whole of the UK. Um, we also have daily newsletters, uh, business newsletters uh, that's freely uh, uh, sent to our, our subscribers. Um, but everything we do, um, whatever we're doing, whether it's events or or um, our, our news services or our magazines, uh, it's about getting high quality content to uh, to businesses in order them to, to understand what, what's happening in, in various markets, in various sectors. Uh, and well, to allow them... I want to ask you about next, if you yeah, don't. You speak to a lot of businesses, not only at your events, but during the day-to-day -day course of running a, a media operation like yours. What's the kind of mood music from businesses going into 2024? Yeah, I mean, I think... Generally, it's it's pretty optimistic, to be honest, uh, uh, Joss. Um, albeit tempered by some, uh, you know, there are some 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 headwinds along the way. Of course, um, businesses thrive on uncertainty, don't they? Uh, and uh, um, you know, there are still some concerns about uh, cost of living, um, some uh, price increases on uh, uh, on energy, etc. That said, business leaders are, are telling us very clearly that they're pushing forward with. With investments, they're they're looking at uh, uh, acquisitions, at uh, at other things uh, as well to to really push forward on their on their growth plans for 2024. So it's generally optimistic, but you know there's there's a um, some something of a wait and see pattern I I emerging for later on in the year. I think. Yeah, I, th I think it's been a few years of wait and see, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Indeed. Indeed. Uh it was a, a big change for, for you, I believe, in 2023 with um, new owners of the publication at Insider. 2024, yeah. what kind of plans have you got in place? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, Yes, um, we, we do have new owners, but it's actually very, very much um, business as usual for, for Insider. There's no um, tangible uh, difference uh, at all uh, for, for, for Insider. Um, yeah, so um, we're, we're looking forward to, to things. Like I said, we, we've um, launched a new... Um, a hard copy magazine, uh, the Northeast Dealmakers um, magazine, and that's focused very much on the, on the corporate finance uh, side of, uh, of things. But looking at it from, from, if you like, from a business owner's lens, so uh, that that's a, a major thing that we we, we continue with. And of course, we, we're running um, roundtable events and 
uh, breakfast events throughout the year as well. So um, we've got a, a very, very packed and uh, complete uh, uh, program of, of things coming up. So uh, again, we, we want to engage with as many businesses as we can um, to give them an insight to what, what's going on in the in, in the region. Of course, we get information from those businesses as well, which informs what we do as a business as well. Okay. Now you've mentioned um, some of the events uh, that you've got going on. You've got a very busy calendar. What would you say are some of the highlights uh, uh, looking ahead into 2024? What are you most looking forward to? Yeah, well, as always, I always look forward to our, our big black tie major events. Um, there are uh, awards. So we have our Northeast Dealmakers uh, Awards for the corporate finance uh, community. We have the Northeast um, Property Awards for the burgeoning property sector I I across the uh, the region. Uh, we have our Made in the Northeast Awards, which are a focus, of course, on the manufacturing um, sector in, in the region. And a couple of years ago, we launched uh, our annual uh, Northeast Young Professionals Awards, um, which are uh, focused on on the rising stars of the uh, of the patch. Uh, and um, again, it's something we really look forward to to every year. Um, what about over in the northwest, Philip? You talked a lot about the northeast. Is all these things replicated over in the northwest as well? They are. I mean, the north. Well, we have. Uh, if we're talking about the north, uh, Joss, yeah. um, we have our regional hubs um, uh, in in Yorkshire and the northeast. Um, our, our head office is in uh, is in Manchester for the north northwest. Uh, the northwest is is our heartland. Uh, it's where the business started. Um, and the, the team here do a huge amount of, of activity and we have a, a very good reputation of delivering really real quality here. Um, so, yeah, we, we again, a lot of those events are replicated, but there, there are other other things besides going on in, in, in the uh, in the northwest. Um, and in fact, across the whole north, there's a there's a real sort of coordinated campaign to 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 make sure that the north is truly represented um on on the business stage and uh you know there's a lot of um, uh, talk about leveling up and all that we've been trying to get that uh, agenda uh and and championing the uh the, the northern business world for for many many years now and uh long way to continue and uh, we're looking forward to um you know, delivering things for our our subscribers across the, across the north and elsewhere in the in the uk as well throughout 2024. Well, there we had it. Um, Philip Cunliffe was doing levelling up before it was cool inside. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, thank you very much for your time today. We're going to go back to, to Graham. But if somebody wants to sign up for one of your events, how could they go about doing it? Yeah, the, the website, very easy, insidermedia.com. Uh, and you should be able to um, find your way to um, whichever event or uh, um, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're interested in or, or the newsletter you want to go to. Um, but if anyone wants to, to get hold of me, specifically in the Northeast, um, uh, my email address is philip.cunliffe at newsco.com. And we'll be tagging you in those um, in the LinkedIn posts and everything then when we put it out. We'll be able to contact you that way. Thank you very much, Philip. Thanks, Joss. Thanks, Josh, and also thanks to Philip Cunliffe. Nice to see him still going strong as the uh, business editor for Insider Media. It's a, a great uh, business uh, set of titles there, and uh, he does a great job. Now, if you want to join us as a guest on Northern Business Podcast, feel free to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to my podcast producer, Harry Sinclair, and technical operator, Robin Campbell. Join us next time on the Northern Business Podcast. Don't miss an episode, though. Like, rate, subscribe on YouTube. 
or wherever you get your podcasts.